We also just wanted to provide a brief heads up that there is a mention of suicide in today's episode of The Library Scoop. We want to make sure you are aware of that, and if that is something you are not comfortable discussing or listening to today, we totally understand. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. You can also contact the Crisis Text Line by texting HELLO to 741-741. If you are concerned about a friend's social media updates or you are in crisis yourself and need immediate assistance, please dial 911. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Library Scoop. This month we're doing something a little different. We will be coming to you this month with not one, but four episodes. October into November is a time when many people examine grief and loss with Dia de los Muertos on November 1st and 2nd. As we lead up to that holiday, we are going to start by speaking with Aggie Fitch, the communications manager for The Dinner Party. The Dinner Party is an organization that connects people in their 20s to early 40s to each other to create a peer support system and a place to talk about their grief in a judgment-free zone over dinner. Aggie and I talk about the organization's history and the services they provide. It's an organization that's near and dear to my heart, and I'm so glad to be introducing them all to you. Next week, you'll hear from Christina Marfis, who has been both a local partier and a host with The Dinner Party, to hear her talk about her experiences. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Aggie, for coming to the show. We're so excited to have you on Library Scoop. Um, so let's get started. And can you tell me what is the dinner party and how did it get started? Yes, of course. Thank you for that question. So the dinner party originally began sort of without all the, you know, capital letters and whatnot as like an honest dinner party between our two co-founders, Carla Fernandez and Lennon Flowers. They were working together and realized that they both shared this experience of having lost a parent. They were both in their 20s, I believe, maybe mid, late 20s. And they had talked at work about this fact that Carla had lost her dad, Lennon had recently lost her mom. And wow, we don't have that many people that we can talk to about this. And this feels amazing to have this understanding between one another. And so they invited, Carla had everyone over to our backyard, invited a couple other people she knew who'd lost folks. And it was like, wow, this is, this is transformational. And then it kind of was, you know, everyone telling each other and they were like, oh, we're getting all these calls about other people who want to come to our dinner. And, you know, maybe Carla can't really have like 75 people to maybe like 5,000 people in her backyard. (laughs) It'll, It'll be a little different. So they started the dinner party and yeah, we've now been going for many years. And so our current model is basically we have two programs. So there's dinner tables and then there's the buddy system, but dinner tables are like our core, our like first sort of our flagship program. So basically we offer a two-part host training to folks who want to hold space and we give them like the tools they need to host these small group discussions amongst 21 to 45 year old people who have lost someone. Mm -hmm. Um, We train them and then they take them like a few weeks to sort of write up a bio and write up and do some thinking about what kind of space they want to hold. If they want to have our current three types are 
virtual tables that are open to anyone from anywhere in the US or virtual tables that are for a specific affinity. So depending on your identity or the person that you lost or maybe your relationship with them, if there's some sort of aspect of your grief experience or your identity that you want to really meet with other people who share that same aspect of themselves as you. So that includes like suicide loss or people who maybe lost someone who they were estranged from. So like being around other people who are like my loved one, my loved one can feel really hard to like Mm -hmm. view yourself in that grief experience or um, yeah. So that's affinity spaces. And then the third is location-based tables, which was what we did exclusively before the pandemic. So that's tables that are in a specific area and people can meet in person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Is that something you guys are bringing back after the pandemic or are you uh, thinking, cause I know the virtual tables, you can access so many other people and that's been, um, helpful. Cause I remember when I started, the reason I became a host was because there was such a long wait and it was like, I just want to get going. So I was like, I'm just going to host, I guess. Um, but I know one of the real benefits to being virtual is you don't really have to have that wait anymore. We, we love people like you. (laughs) My line I've been using right now is like tables are made at the rate of people raising their hands to host. So Mm -hmm. like when people are, yeah, hoping to get to a table, it's like, we're just, you know, we need people to host, but yeah, we are. So the um, location-based tables, basically like it's up to the discretion of the Mm hosts and the people who sign up if they want to meet in person and up to everyone's comfortability. Um, Yeah. I mean, not to silver linings it, but like the virtual tables have definitely, as you said, like given us a lot. And I think we've figured out some cool ways to still have really meaningful connection, even though like eye contact is weird and (laughs) weird and, you know, funniness of it. But yeah. So now we're really, I think we're going to keep that model of offering virtual as well as in person. Why does the dinner party work with the age group that you do? I believe it's twenties to like early forties, correct? Yeah. So we, um, basically there's like a gap in the grief, um, resources that are offered. So we offer this to the age group that we do really specifically because there's a lot of, I mean, grief resources across the board are insufficient. Like we fully acknowledge that Mm -hmm. like our culture is pretty bad at dealing with grief. There's a big need. Um, but you know, with our small team, we've really focused in on this one age group. So there's you know, a lot in the scope of resources for grief, um, of resources dedicated to children and, you know, folks up to 18, you know, teens and mm-hmm. camps and all kinds of things. And then if you show up to sort of an open to all grief group, it's usually going to be like metal chairs in the basement of a church, uh-huh. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> right. which isn't like the resonant space that everyone maybe needs or wants. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's probably going to be people who are like sixties and up, mm-hmm. um, just at the, you know, maybe they've lost parents to old age or something, but that's, or a partner, but, you know, losing someone like I lost my brother when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And like, if I were to go to that church basement and talk with people who lost someone who was 70, I would, it just, you know, it does, it's not the same feeling and it's not, to, you know, diminish that grief. Like, absolutely at any age you lose someone and no matter how old that person is grief is grief but to be able to speak to people who you know maybe you were the first in your peer group to lose someone or you know you're worrying about okay now that person isn't going to be at all of these milestones that happen between these ages of like 20 to 40 usually and 
grappling with that and just a different experience than losing someone when you're older. So yeah, we really are specific about that. Um, so can you tell us about the grief buddy program you mentioned? How is that different from tables and, uh, what have you found to be successful about it? Yeah. So we started that during the pandemic at the Mm -hmm. beginning, we were trying to figure out, you know, how do we still provide help to people and let people find these connections. And it had been something kind of ruminating in the back of our heads for a while, but no one had really had space and time to dedicate to to it. So Rachel Stout, my colleague, (laughs) (laughs) we we had this meeting and discussed it. And she was just like, I love this idea. I want to make it happen. And she really worked on it for a while. And it's basically, it's our one-to-one matching. So Mm -hmm. The really fun thing that it offers is like much more specificity with what you want to connect about. So we ask people to really think about, you know, what parts of their grief have they maybe not been able to explore or never like found someone who shared this one thing. Maybe it was like the specific illness that the person they lost died to. Maybe it's been a million different beautiful things that people have connected around, but um, Rachel's really set it up to find someone who, you know, you say what you want and she comes through and finds someone who shares that experience with you. And yeah. And then people, it's just your buddy, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you can text them, you can call them, you can, people have started meeting up and going on Mm. trips to see each other. And that's so cool. (laughs) How does that matching work? Yeah. It's reading through people's applications. I mean, it's always kind of an odd discordant moment of like reading, you know, the boiled down person's like traumatic experience in a spreadsheet row like the fact that that's how we read people in the beginning is always very odd and like can be you know all the people on the tdp staff are grievers as well and so Mm -hmm. it can be like pretty emotionally intense but um but i think if i can speak for rachel i feel like the feeling of like finding that person who has the same thing and we we usually break it off into like the recency of loss. So matching people at least around like how long has it been since you mm. lost someone? Cause we really don't want it to be like mentorship. Sure. We want to still maintain that peer to peer power that like dinner tables have of not being, you know, I lost someone 20 years ago and I'm supposed to like coach you someone who just lost someone six months ago of how this works. Like that isn't what we're after. Um, we really want it to still be that like mutual learning and communicating of the peer, the peer group. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned like finding someone with that specific experience. And I remember, so I did the, uh, camp dinner party way back in 2019. And I met Carla, who's one of the co-founders and we've been joking that we're like, I feel like we call ourselves Glio buddies because our, both of our dad's passed from glioblastoma and like, it was just eerily similar in a lot of the things that had happened. And we were just like, Oh my gosh, like we're, you know, we have a very, very similar experience. Like they passed when we were around, you know, the same age and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it was just really, really interesting. So yeah, it is really powerful when you find someone with that connection to yeah. be able to, to relate to them. So that, I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. I feel like so often in those moments, I I want like some perfect word for it, mm-hmm. but the feeling of like the exactly at the same time and like in often equal measure of like this person who I just met, who I really like has like had this same terrible experience as me. And I'm like, so sorry to them. And like, this sucks. And like, wow, yeah. I am so elated that I found someone who was had experiences me. And like, we can bring these together and we can talk about it. Like this is exhilaration and sorrow hand in hand. 
So we have a couple Dia de los Muertos programs coming up in November. Um, so how does the dinner party celebrate or honor that holiday? It seems like those, the dinner party and Dia de los Muertos go pretty hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely big fans of ritual and um, big fans of like sharing ritual with one another and like developing your own personal practice. And so last year, for the first, past couple of years for Dia de los Muertos, we've had people um, share the altars that they've built. So like encouraging folks around the table to sort of in groups, maybe like build altars together and like talk through what objects they've selected and like who they're honoring as well as sending them to TDP and we post <laughs> them and everyone can see and celebrate with one another. So that's been really, yeah, really fun just to see like these corners of people's homes that are encouraged to like, Hey, I've lost these people and I'm going to put this rock and this image and this whatever that speaks to me and speaks to them and their spirit and our relationship out in my home and display it and celebrate it. Um, what does the future of dinner party, the dinner party, uh, look like moving forward? So we, at the end of last year, we finally launched our new platform connect.thedinnerparty.org. If anyone's interested, um, that basically, changed how we build tables like completely on its head so prior to the platform all tables were matched in basically the same way as the one-on-one -on -one buddy system but it was us reading through applications like you know trying to figure out like who feels like they're they could all you know be in the same location like looking up on maps like what is the traffic between flagstaff and <laughs> on it like it was it was high effort and and high reward but we we've changed that during the pandemic. So with the platform, those hosts like think about the space they want to make post it on the platform. And then we encourage dinner partiers who like, you know, your grief the best, like mm -hmm. peruse the options, see what sounds like the right fit and then sign up and join the table. So that's been really exciting. And with that, it means that, you know, you were mentioning those horrific wait lists from, <laughs> from, <laughs> from the past. So we've been really cutting down on those, which has been really exciting. And we're mm -hmm. trying to keep that wait time as low as we can. I mean, the, yeah, the hard part about this is that there's really high demand and there's a lot of people who have lost someone, especially during the pandemic right. and have been feeling in isolation, especially mm -hmm. during the pandemic and yeah. want community and want people to talk about all of this with and listen and be together in that moment of collective care. So with that in mind, this platform really lets many more people join our community, which has been exciting. So it's just about, you know, increasing our hosts and making people really excited about the act of hosting. Like it isn't this intense thing. It's, you know, fun and like pretty easy most of the time, really yeah. like light facilitation and getting more people to tables, getting more people buddies, <laughs> getting everyone the care they need. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if somebody does want to be a host for a table, um, what is the process for that? How can they sign up or learn more? So on that same connect.thedinnerparty.org, there's a spot to sign up for our host training. So our next one is in October. I forget the day. <laughs> I believe it's the end of October. Um, there's just a, usually it's like a Tuesday, Thursday, or sometimes like a Friday, Saturday evening um, host training. So you can sign up for October and November's host training, whatever works. And we post those as early as we schedule them. So cool. come on by.
Yeah, that's awesome. I hope we'll get some some people coming over to you guys. Um, I've I've found great success with the organization. Uh, I obviously love it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I think it's great. And you know, here at you know, with a lot of public libraries, we really try to focus on community. And I think that this translates really well to that. You know, we have lots of ways for people to you know connect and. Uh, I'll link in the show notes, the, all of the, the stuff that you mentioned. Um, and then one other question, um, you, you mentioned you lost your brother and that you are a griever as well. Do you have any favorite story about your brother that you would want to share? Thank you so much for that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, this, Okay. This one is that maybe doesn't like paint him in the best light. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) My brother, Sam was like full rebellious, older brother, like died in a motorcycle accident was like, yeah, full. I don't know. That whole like image of a person was very much lived into that. And he, he loves the, okay. This isn't really that good of a story. Even this is just so popular. (laughs) He had been snowboard he loved snowboarding I'm from Portland Oregon so he would always go up to Mount Hood and snowboard as much as possible and like did the full like grinding on the rails and everything and he had had this big day up the mountains and then we were all driving down to see my cousins who live in the Sierra Nevadas in California and we got up there and he went to their like they're they're like off the grid incredible like wood builders whatever crazy cousins and they have this sauna and he like went straight in there loved hot tubs love saunas always trying to convince my mom to let him like sleep in the hot tub this story's <laughs> getting longer than I meant um he went into the sauna and like fully fell asleep in the sauna and passed out and we went in there and we were like Sam are you okay he woke up and he threw up he was like not well and my mom was talking to him and he was and she was like what like you know, okay, you fell asleep. Like, is your head okay? Like, do you feel concussed or something? He was like, well, you know, I was like having a great day up at the mountain and, you know, I was like doing a really good job, did a jump, whatever. And then, you know, when I like woke up, like I was fine. My mom was like, when you woke up, what do you mean? He was like, well, I like hit my head and like, whatever. But then I woke up and he was fully gotten concussed on the mountain and just like been on this, you know, 12 hour long drive with us, didn't tell anyone. And then like went into a sauna, which is not good for you. No, especially not good to sleep in. (laughs) No, I know. He just, yeah. Yeah. And my mom was so mad at him, but (laughs) so happy. He was like, I loved my day on the mountain, loved the road trip, loved the sauna, you know. He had such a good time. He didn't want to ruin it with a silly concussion. (laughs) He's like, that's, it's not important. I was just going to, you know, work through it, whatever. Well, thanks again for coming. This was a super fun discussion. Um, I love the dinner party. Like I said, I'll put everything in the show notes so people can find links and uh, all of that. So thanks for joining us. 